Welcome to HR Latte, your podcast connection to all things HR. Caring for people is imperative for today's progressive business. Listen in as Rayanne Thorne Kruger gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts, and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources, hiring, and employee engagement. And now, sit back and sip your next cup of talent management blended to perfection. Hey, everybody. Welcome to HR Latte. I'm so happy to continue this series that we are featuring influential individuals, Black HR leaders in the human resources space, um, technology, all these different things that wrap around human resources and recruiting. And I have a wonderful guest today. William Wiggins is joining me. William is the Director of Human Resources, Facilities, and Administration. Hey, William, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Rayanne. It's good to be here. Gosh, it's so exciting to talk with you. We've had the opportunity in the past to interview. I think we did on-site at the HR Tech Conference. I think you came right up and we did a live broadcast there. We did. I remember that. That was in Chicago. Gosh, that was in Chicago. That was so much fun. Well, I'm really happy to have you back on the show today, William. First of all, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your job. I gave your title, but tell us about where you work and why we might listen to you. Well, thank you. I hope I can uh, impart (laughs) that uh, last part. I work for an organization called SEIU Benefits Group. We are the group that handles the benefits and the training, continuing education for all of the home care workers that you see. So the folks that are in your homes taking care of grandma, grandpa, some of our children out there, they go through us for benefits, for any type of training that they might need. And, um, and it's a really, really good spot to be in because it's such a noble profession. And, um, and so it's really good to have something to do with that. Absolutely a noble profession. I've gone through a little bit of trial and error with dealing with the benefits for my bonus mom that I, I think I just shared some information with you. And it's it's troubling to see what's out there and what how hard it is to navigate the system. I can't imagine my mom doing that on her own. It's so much to navigate. So thank you for the work that your noble work that you're doing in helping individuals and organizations to make heads or tails out of benefits and how we can improve the process and the system for everyone involved, in particularly those that are most vulnerable, the elderly or children or disabled or whoever needs the help. So thank you. Definitely. Thank you. So you've been in HR quite a while. Many, many years. Uh Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen things come and go, trends come and go, technologies come and go. What keeps you motivated to stay in the space, to stay in HR? You know, Ann, what keeps me motivated is I have been in places, organizations where I have sat and I have watched things and I have watched the treatment of people. I've watched how organizations have sort of made people secondary to what the organization's mission was without considering that it's the people that's getting you there. And I always said, if I ever have an opportunity to impact someone's experience to be more positive than mine, I would do that. And so when the opportunity came to me to be in human resources 
from a staff relations side, I jumped on it right away. I had been in human resources for many years as a benefit manager. I was a benefit consultant for many years with Mercer Human Resources Consulting. And so when the opportunity came to actually go on the staff side and have something to do directly with engagement, staff engagement, I actually took it, jumped on it, and it's been really, really rewarding. And so the short answer is, if there's anything that I can do to impact someone's experience, we spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day in a workplace, more than we do at home. Sure. And I think people are entitled to a positive experience. Wow. That's a great answer. And I agree with you 100%, especially as somebody who I myself have worked in HR for so long and seen so many bad experiences, plus being a parent and trying to navigate my children through becoming adults and being in the workplace and helping them know that, no, you don't have to take being treated this way. You can make a difference. You go to HR, talk to individuals. There are people there that will advocate for you and help you get through whatever kind of experience you're having. And Ultimately, that turns it around for many when they understand they have a voice. Yeah. But you being an additional voice for them is so powerful and empowering. Now, you're kind of in the medicine or healthcare field now, right? So mm-hmm. you've gone back and forth. I know you've worked in with several different organizations in the healthcare space, but also you've had an opportunity to work in retail at Williams-Sonoma. So tell me a little bit about the difference between HR in an organization like Williams-Sonoma versus Kaiser. What's the difference? The big difference is, and I know a lot of people see this now, but the big difference between working in a human resource support healthcare organization and a retail organization or any other type of organization is when you're dealing with people with health issues, with health problems, you are meeting them at probably the most vulnerable times of their lives. And so people that work with patients, people that work with individuals, people that work with caretakers need that extra level of, I'm going to call it TLC because they are under the gun all the time. They're dealing with people who are ill. They're dealing with people who need care. And so we sometimes forget that there's no one that they can turn to their caretakers, but they're not necessarily being taken care of. Right. So there's a higher level of stress. There's a higher level of anxiety for people that work in healthcare. And I think that's really, really become obvious since COVID has happened. And we see the level of burnout amongst um, not just doctors and nurses, but people who are supporting doctors and nurses to support the patients. And so there's just that higher level of need, I think, for the individuals, the community that you serve in healthcare than there would be for a Williams-Sonoma or retail organization that is not based on life and death or is not, someone is not injured, someone is not um, being harmed. And so, yeah, there's a higher level of, of, uh, there's a higher need for a little bit of TLC and just um, support. And I'm sure compliance and regulatory issues and legal issues are very different from one to the other. So it's got to keep you very busy as an HR professional trying to track everything. Very, very busy. Yeah, thank you for that. Do you prefer one over the other? You know, I'm going to stick with healthcare just because that it's that higher level of compassion, that higher yeah. level of service that you offer that I think I'm used to and um, I think people need. And so um, I do enjoy healthcare. That makes sense, knowing what I know about you. So I've been part of this ongoing celebration that Humanly.io has been doing, celebrating Black History Month. And one of the questions that we've been asking Black leaders, Black professionals, and Black HR leaders in particular is, 
what would you like CEOs to focus on in 2022? We know that there are a lot of organizations that are changing their cover picture on their Facebook page, right? Or they do it for Pride Month, they do it for Black History Month. And that seems to be a little bit performative and just saying this is what we're doing, but not really doing. So what would you like to see CEOs focus on and do shift and change in 2022? First of all, we we can't get anything done, Rayanne, and you know this. We can't get anything done if we don't have top-down buy-in to it. And so I would like to see CEOs make diversity, equity, and inclusion a part of their standard work and not as an extra or not something that you do or you recognize once a year um, during Pride Month or during Black History Month. I would like it to be holistic in an organization to the point where we're not trying to be diverse, equitable, and inclusive, that it just happens holistically. And I would like to see CEOs make that a part of standard work, make that a part of an organization's objectives, because it is important and it's not just a buzzword or just a sort of a pet project. I know all too often, a lot of organizations run into the, well, we'll fly a flag this particular month, or we will have some sort of recognition of um, it's Women's Month, for example. But, you know, every month should be a month that you celebrate the differences between individuals. And I'm not saying have a big party in the break room, but it starts with making sure that you're bringing individuals into the organization who are diverse and have diverse perspectives as well. It gives resources to it. Make sure that your talent acquisition team have the tools that they need to bring the right people in, even at the leadership level, because again, this is something that needs to be driven from the top down. And all too often, I think it's it's more of a, oh, okay, it's Black History Month. What are we going to do this month? And I had an experience once that someone, <laughs> they were talking to me about they were creating a diversity job. And so I'm like, that's great. I think I would be really interested. So I was talking to the CFO. This came time for me to give my ideas, what I thought should be to include in this room. So I was talking to the CFO and some other people were in the room. And so I prepared this big binder of the types of metrics that I think that we should start using, what the ideas where we could source the first candidates, how to do so. And so this is a really, you know, I thought it was a, a good binder. So at some point in this meeting, I saw that I was losing the audience because they were kind of looking at each other. And so I stopped and I said, is this sort of what you all had in mind? for this role and the CFO said, well, we kind of thought like maybe someone to be in charge of like uh, diversity day, be in charge of buffets, you know, like, you know, bring something in from the culture, maybe have a day where somebody wears something from their traditional culture. I mean, that was the CFO talking. His idea for a job was, uh, and they were um, willing to dedicate resources for a a buffet manager, apparently. And so I think that's the mindset of a lot of people though, Rayanne unfortunately still in this day and age. That's amazing. That is amazing. And sadly, I think you're right. From everything that I'm hearing and reading, which is why we threw that word in, performative. We don't want to see something that on the surface looks like you care about diversity. We want to see something happening deep inside your organization that is changing, that's addressing these issues, that is allowing opportunity And it's so sad to hear that story. How did that end up? Did you just pack your binder and leave? (laughs) I did. I I said, well, let's get through this and maybe you might get some more ideas from this. But I knew I just wanted to finish it. I knew at that point that this is way far away from what we 
what what I thought it was going to be. And it happens over and over again. I was with an organization a couple of years back where I, and as a leader, I always try, even Cinco de Mayo, right? And I always uh, make sure that there is room to, to celebrate those types of things. Pride Month, I ordered banners for everyone. We had speakers to come in as an HR leader, but I waited this year as, um, and I was the head of HR. And I, for a couple of days, and I thought, I'm going to see if anybody says anything to me about, you know, any support that they can get, as they always do with other sort of recognitions. Sure. Black History Month, and no one did. Oh. So finally, I asked the leadership team, can we, what, what are we doing? Are we, most of them didn't even know it was Black History Month. And so um, it was up to me. And then someone said, well, we don't have that many Black people that work here. So oh, it's, oh, that's geez. what usually happens. So it's just, uh, we don't have that's time That's part of the problem, so. right? That's part of that the problem. part of the problem. When we address diversity, we're not talking about just the outside appearance. We're talking about deep inside. Let's make some shifts, some changes. Well, thank you for your work. And I'm sorry for that frustration. I'm hoping that with time and it's been enough time, but I think there's so much more information available now and opportunity for individuals that maybe aren't familiar with what's... (laughs) And I don't know how anybody can be unfamiliar, but you kind of put your head down and you work and you don't if it doesn't affect you directly, people don't get involved, right? So I would like to see more people reading, watching, doing, making those significant changes within themselves. And then they are more aware, Then, be, which is how yeah. it happened for me. You know, the more I studied, the more I became aware, the more I became an activist, my voice got yeah. louder and angrier, right? <laughs> and so this kind of leads me into my next question for you. I've known you for quite a while and I had the opportunity to kind of watch you from afar. I met you on social media first before we met in person and you're so professional and so polished. And I want to know what is the secret to maintaining that level of appearance, right? When there's so much that's happening for you to be angry about as a Black leader, as a Black HR professional, because I get angry, right? And I haven't been exposed to what you have been exposed to. Mm And I want to know, what is your secret? What is your trick? How do you maintain that level of positive expression, which you do, when there's so much that you're seeing and hearing and listening to and facing, even I'm sure in your daily work? You know, Rianne, I'm going to tell you the secret and it's practice because by the time you met me and um, by the time you meet most Black professionals, they have had many, 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 many years of microaggressions, many years of transgressions. And so I don't want to say you get used to it because that's too sad to say, but I talked to people that um, I was having a conversation with someone and someone said, you know, oh, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm originally from Chicago, but I live in Seattle. And I mean, she said, you know, oh, is that where you're from? Is that where where you're from originally? And I said, well, I'm 46% West African, but I'm American. I was born here. And so somebody that was with me was like, how can you take that? How can you stand that? How can you you stand that? And I'm like, I'm actually more concerned about what is happening with my voting rights and what's happening with the county industry. Because since I was 13, when I grew outside of the cute little black boy stage, um, (laughs) I have known what the world is like firsthand. And so by the time you get to the workplace in a, a leadership position, you've had plenty of practice at navigating and managing through some of the 
for lack of a better word, some of the BS, I guess, um, that is racism and that is unlike equity and inclusiveness. And my role, I think, is as leaders, we need to be a part of the solution and we can't be intimidated to bring these types of things to the forefront in in the workplaces that we're in, because that is our job as leaders to do. As the Black um, HR leader, I try to work with my team to say, hey, where can we source great talent from? Where are we looking? How are we bringing people into the organization? How are we moving people through the organization? Not just diverse talent, but everyone, including diverse talent. And so I think that's a part of our role as leaders to do and not be intimidated to do that. But by the time we get to this point, Rayanne, I could probably tell you stories that would curl your hair um, of things that I've experienced in the workplace. And so it's not, I don't want to say it's not a big deal because it is a huge deal, but you've learned if you take everything on, I would probably have been dead a long time ago from, right. from high blood pressure. You have learned to buffer. And that is, yes. I mean, and that's an admirable practice and trait and skill. I'm still learning how to buffer because the more that I learn, the angrier that I get. And I'm disappointed in my childhood education that I didn't, was not made aware through school, you know, like the Mm -hmm. opportunity that my own children have had and how they have taught me. I have learned more from my children about these types of issues than I ever learned in school or from my own parents. So I love following individuals like you and continuing to learn. So I want to take that question that I asked you about CEOs and ask it for me. What do you want me to know? I'm an individual that is a sponge right now and have been for years. Just to educate me, tell me, what do you want me to know? What should I focus on in 2022? As a white girl living in Southern California, what should I focus on? You know, Rayanne, and I think you're already focusing on some of it, but what I'd like for people to know is, just because I know in an organization, people oftentimes think, oh, what? We don't have a problem here. I haven't heard anything. Just because you haven't heard anything does not mean it's not a problem. There is a, not even an underground, but there is an undercurrent that is discussed. It's talked about. People bent about it. People see everything when they are being aggrieved. They don't always talk, but it might show up in maybe not the best work that you're getting, an employee engagement score that is very, very low. And so I want you to know that just because it's not something that you see people squawking about or, you know, angry or protesting about does not mean that things are getting better or doesn't mean that we still don't have a lot of work to do. And I really appreciate allies and other folks like you that have taken the time to educate themselves and to be a part of a solution and to just plain want to know what's happening in the community outside of theirs. I think that a lot of times, and I talk to my wife about this all the time, A lot of times we, as diverse people in America, know way more about white culture than (laughs) white culture knows about us. I can name you 50 hair care products um, that are on the shelves for for white people. Most white people can't name three that black people use. And so we are forced to, if you're in the supermarket shopping, and I always say if you're an alien and you come down to um, a supermarket and you're looking in the magazine stand, you would think that white beauty is the only type of beauty that is a part of our society. And so everything is driven by 
you know, sort of that image. And I appreciate when people pause to, you know, sort of recognize that there are other cultures, there right. are other peoples out there as well. And I think a lot of more of that is happening now. And so I appreciate that. And I appreciate the people like you driving that as well. You know, that is the happy side of my education, the learning about hair products and listening to individuals like yourself and seeing beautiful black models that are out there and, and watching black television and, and listening to black music. And I mean, my favorite artist right now is Snoop Dogg. I mean, <laughs> and part of that is culture, understanding culture and how different it is. And I have taken the time and I hope others do too. I hope they will, when they're cruising through social media, stop and read things and, and learn about products that are out there that are different than our own products. I don't want to be that alien that's, or next to that alien that comes down and looks at me and says, Where, what? What's happened? Why? I know there are more people here than just you white girls, right? So I really appreciate you saying that and sharing that because that's been a part of my, so I feel like I'm doing right. I'm doing well. And I'm going to continue to listen to folks like you and, and want to be educated and I want to have that joy. And, and I find nothing more joyful cruising through TikTok and being educated oh, yeah. by the various cultures that are presented there. And it's been such a rewarding experience for me. And on those same lines, what other resources can you share with us that would be a good way for somebody to learn more? Do you have a specific magazine or website that we can follow or a book that you can recommend? I'm going to recommend this book, and I know everybody has heard of it before, and I did not want to read it because I'm thinking, oh, it's too, everybody's read it. It's one of those things. It that probably has nothing, but it's the book of the month. Then I picked it up and I actually read it, and it was cast by Isabel Wilkerson, okay. and I thought it was really, really good. It was better than I expected. I thought it was just going to be full of, oh, I already know that, but I even learned something from the book. It was really, really good. And it gives a really good sort of historical account or perspective, if you will, of how we got to this point in America, how it's so important in this country that everyone has someone, but they are looking down on where that started and why. And um, I thought it was really, really good. I couldn't put it down once I picked it up. It was, it was, it was really, really riveting. And yeah, and I write for a couple of HR publications. I just started work, uh, writing for Unleash HR. Okay. And yes, and then it's been a really good experience so far. I also write for, contribute to a publication called the HR Gazette that has one really, really good articles from time to time about diversity, how it shows up in performance, how you can retrofit your office, for example, now that we're all remote, how important it is to keep diversity, equity, and inclusion as a part of the mission, because out of sight, out of mind, right. people aren't in front of each other. And so I think there are a number of publications out there, but that's a book that I would recommend if you have not read anything else. I have else. not. Um, I'm going to read it. Yes. Great. It is a very, very good book. And um, and then just stick with some HR publications. I know that Career Crossroads often runs um, really, really good content on diversity and, and uh, performance in the workplace. And so I think a lot of the HR sort of publications and a lot of the HR blogs up there, um, out there will offer some really, really good perspectives and are now doing more work to write, to blog, and to offer perspectives and sort of guidance on diversity, equity, and in the workplace. And I want to remind people also, we uh, at work, we have a tendency to say, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, 
are black and brown people, and I always chime in to say, and veterans and disabled folks too, you know, because we it's not just, you know, black and brown, but we want to make sure that we are engaging people who, um, I don't want to say on the fringes, but that are have been overlooked in the past for um, growth, for possibilities, for jobs. And, you know, and that could even be people with heavy accents, for example. And so I want to open the doors up for everyone um, to to be able to be treated fairly and to... If I can, if and if I can add to that, because I totally agree with everything you you just shared and how we need to look beyond and and make sure we continue, especially during this time when many of us are working from home. That if you don't know how to do it, ask somebody how to do it. And on top of that, I can say personally how much my life has been enriched by learning more, studying more, continuing my education. Always, always, always. And adding these people to my circle of friends, my circle of influence. And by these people, I mean anybody that's had a negative experience when it comes to race or discrimination, whether you're, you're part of the LBGTQIA plus mm-hmm. community or disabled, which I, I have a friend who has a disabled daughter and she shares a lot of things that I'm just appalled that have happened to her over her yeah. life as she's cared for her her child who is now an adult and a mother herself. So it's really important to keep those aspects, keep them in front of you and follow them and listen to them. And you will feel, and I can say this wholeheartedly because it has happened to me, you will feel a shift change in you and you will want to be part of the movement. You will want to be part of the messaging. And then when we have months like Pride Month and Black History Month, you will rejoice. You'll be a part of this celebration. It is a celebration. I am having such a great time listening and reading and doing and and making my own contribution through a podcast or through a blog or, you know, through recognize or reaching out to somebody on LinkedIn and saying, hey, I want to connect with you because you can add diversity to my home feed on LinkedIn. I want to see what you're reading and writing and sharing and and saying. So, so important. And, And if individuals want to reach out to you, What's the best way? Are you on Twitter? Are you on LinkedIn? What's the best way for them to find you? Yes, I am on LinkedIn is probably the best way. I'm also on Twitter as um, HR with benefits. And yeah, I think those are the best two ways. um, Okay, great. And all of that information will be included on um, the bio for this particular episode. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today. As always, it's a pleasure to speak with you, but in particular about this topic, you know, you and I, we haven't gone into depth on this and I really appreciate your willingness to have this conversation and to share more with me so that I can continue to grow, that my listeners can learn as maybe something they didn't know and also want to connect with you and follow you. Thank you, Ray, and thank you for putting eyes on this topic. I really, really appreciate that. I, I wish we had more allies out there like you to use your forms, your voice, your platforms to talk about this, because I think the more we talk about it, the more eyes are on it, and the more we can, you know, sort of expose what needs to be corrected. So I really do appreciate you. Well, thank you. And thank you. This type of activity causes more eyes to be on the topic. And so I'm going to continue to drive those eyes and those ears to this conversation (laughs) because it's not going away and we need to expose more and more as much as we can. So I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the invite. I'll I'll come anytime, you know. Awesome. That's great news. You know know how I feel about (laughs) Rayanne. Thank you, William. And you take care and make sure you join us for our next episode here on HR Latte. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of HR Latte. This podcast is brought to you by Never Enough Media and is produced by host Rayanne Thorne Kruger. Our editor is Igor Kuzmanovsky and Dick Delecki as our announcer. With featured music, Grab a Coffee and Go by Tiny Music. Special thanks to those who have made HR Latte possible over the years with their ideas, support, and feedback. 